I'm a New York Yankees fan. I don't care what you think. Um, <clears throat> I'm also a Duke Blue Devils basketball fan. Also don't care what you think. Um, I support the Michigan Wolverines football. Definitely don't care what you think. <laughs> I am. Thank you, Brooks. That's Thank you. Um, the Yankees have more championships than any professional sports organization in the country. Maybe the world. I don't, I don't know about f- soccer. But it, soccer's weird, though. It's not like a real sport. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but in, in the United States, the Yankees have more championships than any other professional sports organization. Uh, Michigan is the winningest team in college football history. No other team, including the Ohio State Buckeyes, have won as many football games as the Michigan Wolverines. Go Blue. How about that? Uh, Duke, obviously, is a legendary basketball program of legendary coach and players. I'm also a Houston Texans fan. So, like, you can't get mad at somebody that's a Houston Texans fan because we just don't do anything. So you can't be like, boo, I hate you. You're like, oh, I'm sorry that you're a Houston Texans fan. So what did you say? I don't pick all winners, no. Um, It's not uncommon for me to be called a bandwagon fan, um, and for understandable reasons. I do have my reasons for uh, supporting the teams that I support and cheering for the teams that I cheer for. Um, But we're really against bandwagon people, aren't we? Like, especially if you're a sports person, you think there's like this moral deficit to a bandwagon fan. Like, you think that they are a sub moral human person, um, that something is like legitimately wrong with their character if they're a bandwagon fan. Because a bandwagon, in case you're unfamiliar, bandwagon fan is the person who goes, oh, that team's winning a lot, so I'm going to cheer for them. And then you just kind of bounce around. Have you noticed the number of like Golden State Warrior shirts around Little Rock lately? I see those from time to time. I'm like, come on, man. You know? Um, and, and so that's, that's what the whole bandwagon concept is. And we don't like it because it indicates that a person is not willing to get in the trenches and suffer with the team, right? You'll cheer for the team when it's easy, but then whenever they start tanking, you kind of bail and you go on to something that's a little bit easier to cheer for. It's easy to be a bandwagon fan, um, and it's really hard to see people who just jump on board the train whenever whatever team is doing well, especially if you are the person who has been there through all the lousy stuff. Um, If the Arkansas Razorbacks were to miraculously win national championship in the next like two or three years, um, most of you in this room would probably be like ecstatic, like overjoyed. But some of you would be really bitter about those people that you know. They're not a real Hogs fan. Right? And you would know who they are. And it would just, you would be so excited to celebrate. But when that one person like posted something on Facebook, like, yeah, my hogs won, you'd be like, no, no, they're not your hogs. You haven't been cheering for them because it just eats at you. You hate it. We don't like bandwagons. Um, in the passage we're going to read this morning, though, Peter's all about it. Come on, everybody. Whether you were a person who was on board with what Jesus has been doing, whether you were a person who completely ignored him, whether you were a person who you had never even heard the name of Jesus until now, even if you were a person who was part of the mob shouting, crucify, crucify, come on. Come be part of what's going on. 
Peter's welcoming everybody, bandwagoners and all. It doesn't make any difference uh, what your allegiances to Jesus were prior to his death and resurrection because God is up to something big and all people are invited to be on board with it. Um, One of the cool things about the book of Acts is that the first 12-ish chapters are written primarily to get the Jewish people on board with this new movement. So you can almost draw this line at chapter 12 where the first... uh, dozen chapters are for the Jewish people to understand what God was doing through Jesus, and then the last chapters are for the Gentile people, the non-Jewish people, to understand what God is doing and how it now applies to them. And the stars of the two halves are Peter to the Jews and Paul to the Gentiles. And so for the first several chapters, Peter is featured over and over and over again because he's the one who is primarily explaining what God is doing through uh, the Jewish people. And so, this speech that Peter makes at Pentecost, this is for the Jewish audience. Um, This is laying some groundwork. This is uh, paving the way for people to go, oh, I get how all these things that I've learned from our Jewish heritage are being played out through Jesus. And I can see this kind of way forward of how God might continue doing this. And so this was meant exclusively for a Jewish audience, his speech was. The moment itself, though, was for everybody. And I'll explain more about that here in a minute. But first, let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 41. Last week, we read the story of Pentecost. When the Spirit came, the tongues of fire were over everybody's head, and they were speaking in a language that everyone around could hear and could understand. Um, So then afterward, after everybody accused them of being drunk, (laughs) uh, Peter got up and he had this speech for them. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. The people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. It leaves to the imagination what that means exactly. Um, But no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And King David said this about him, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David was not referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on the throne. David was looking into the future, speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. So God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. 
For David himself never ascended into heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words pierced their heart. They said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So this speech is explicitly to the Jewish people. Um, again, it has some ramifications outside of that, which I'll get to, but uh, it was specifically to the Jewish people. And laying this foundation, starting with the prophet Joel, going up through uh, David and through the resurrection of Jesus, saying this is something that God is doing. This is something that God has been up to for a very long time, pointing the way forward to Jesus. So here's why it applies to Greek people also. Going back to about 1400 BC, the Greeks had these shrines for their oracles. Oracles being like a medium, somebody who could interpret something from the gods and tell you what they said. Um, there's a shrine of the oracle of Delphi that's probably the most famous one. Um, and that one dates way, way, way back, and it was actually destroyed shortly after Christianity became the dominant religion of Rome. Um, but what would happen at these oracle shrines is somebody would have a question. Um, you would be, say, about to start up a business. So you would go to the oracle and you would say, here's what I'm doing. I want a word from the gods about whether I should do this or not. And the prophets would all come out of this temple area and they would start to speak in this like babbling gibberish. And the people there asking the questions obviously couldn't understand what was going on. And then the oracle would emerge and interpret what the prophets had said. And so this was a common way of understanding uh, what the future holds. Was for this babbling to take place and then this person to come out and interpret it. Now, it wasn't uncommon for there to be like actual fistfights breaking out over interpretations of what was said. Uh, the more gold that was produced, the better the interpretation often. Um, and, and, but this was a way of life for the Greek people. So a Greek person who hears this story about Pentecost goes, oh yeah, I know about that. About this whole babbling thing, and then somebody comes out and says, well, here's what this means. But Luke is pretty specific that this was, this was slightly different than this uh, shrine, this oracle shrine experience that so many people had had. One of the main differences is that it wasn't just babbling. This was language that the people could actually understand. Um, he's very specific to mention that this is not just uh, a bunch of people just uttering whatever noises come out of their mouth. They're speaking in a language that the people gathered around could understand. And then Peter didn't come out and interpret it. Peter came out and told them, here's what you have to do in order to experience what they just experienced. You don't have to go to the shrine, to the oracle shrine, to be told what God is telling you. The Holy Spirit itself can fill you up and literally speak its words through you. 
You don't have to be distant and separated and unaware of what the gods are doing. The God that we follow can actually fill you up with His own Spirit and speak in a language that you yourself can understand. You don't have to have this medium. You don't have to have this person to interpret. Uh, and, And all of that has been predicted since way long ago with the prophet Joel. That in the last days, God is going to pour out His Spirit upon His people, upon His sons and daughters. And so that's one of the things that Peter gets to do here as well, is show that uh, this isn't some, uh, just another Greek religion that you can follow. This is a thing that God is doing that is completely different than anything the world had ever seen. So this passage about the prophet Joel, is kind of fascinating. Um, that in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit on sons and daughters and, and fathers and mothers and everybody is going to be able to prophesy and speak these words of the Lord to each other. The last days are the days that everyone in Israel was expecting. Uh, will you think for just a second about your calendar? Like what's the next big thing on your calendar that you've got like circled in your mind? Or, or literally circled on your calendar, um, will you take 30 seconds, tell the person beside you, what's the next big thing that you're looking forward to on your calendar? Go. All right, anybody want to share one out loud with everybody? Anybody have like a really cool thing coming up? Anybody? (laughs) No, we're lame. Oh, the dragon boat races? That is a great thing to have circled on your calendar. Thank you, Kaylin. Jury duty. (laughs) That's fun. Hey, a granddaughter coming in July. Oh my goodness, nice, nice, awesome. Um, we, when we have these days that are coming, we sort of, like, we, we start to plan our whole lives around and we know that uh, there's this anticipation that's on its way. I remember my very last day of college because the final class that I had to take was Math 120. It was the only math class I was required to have as a Bible major. Turns out we don't do a lot of math. Um, so I was required to have this one class and I put it off until the summer after my senior year because I hate math. Um, so I put it off, and I did it. I, I just focused on this one class, and it was the last day, and I had all my stuff packed up. I was ready to move out of our house and, and uh, move back home for a couple of weeks before Christina and I got married. And I went to get in the car, and I turned the key, and the car was dead. Like, didn't move. And we lived maybe a mile and a half, two miles from campus. And I needed to be there in like five minutes. And so I didn't even think. I just grabbed my stuff and I just start running. Because this is it. This is like the last thing that I have to do. I've been waiting for this day. And I just start running. And on my way, I passed my friend Charlie's house. Um, and he had left his bike out on their front porch. And I didn't even knock on the door. I just ran and grabbed his bike and just start riding. And I was like, I'll explain later. Hope he doesn't need his bike. And I just take off to campus. And I get in. Um, when it was done, 
when that final was over, I had no idea what to do with myself. You know, that moment, like, uh, like last day of school when you were a kid. Um, but the last day of college was like, I'm, I'm never going to be a student again. Like, I'm, I'm done with teachers and books and assignments. Like, like, everything involved in being in school, it was over for the rest of my life. And it took a while for that to finally sink in. Um, some of you might still be in that mode. Like, it, it still hasn't quite sunk in that those days are done. But what Peter is doing here is he is getting to deliver the speech that all the prophets, all the law, all the rabbis, all the teachers, for the entire history of the Israelite people, this is what they've all been pointing to. It's like your advisor in college saying, you're going to graduate. Um, They've been pointing to this, but Peter is the one who got to tell the people, it's here. It's done. Like everything, everything that had ever been preached about and talked about, Peter was the one who got to say, guys, this is it. The thing that we all, the thing that all of our ancestors, the thing that every part of our existence has been pointing toward, it has happened and it's here and it's now. This wasn't just an explanation of how they weren't drunk. This was perhaps the most incredible speech any person in Israel could have the honor of giving. Proclaiming that everything we've been waiting for, the last days, have arrived. Um, And the last days had arrived because of Jesus. One of the other cool things about the story of Acts is that the main character of the book of Acts is Jesus. Um, It's sometimes referred to as Acts of the Apostles or even Acts of the Holy Spirit, and they play a significant role, obviously. But the person who is constantly present, the person for whom and through whom this entire story exists, is Jesus. And so Peter lays out in the last half of his speech all of these ways in which Jesus is the one who unlocked the kingdom to pour itself out into the world. And he showed his authority, Jesus did, through signs and miracles and wonders, but especially through the resurrection. And he channels King David, because a lot of people believe that maybe King David was actually the Messiah. Maybe we just sort of missed it and didn't realize it. And so uh, in a lot of the Psalms, whenever King David especially points to the Messiah, a lot of people in that day believe David was actually talking about himself. But Peter makes a point. David was not talking about himself. He was talking about this Messiah who he knew was coming, this Jesus who would bring all things together in God. And he said you can't be King David because David himself uh, wasn't resurrected. You can see his tomb. His bones are right there. It wasn't King David. It was Jesus. Jesus is the one who brought all things to a close and opened up this entirely new way of living. So Peter's speech is not just a speech. It's not just like this historical account. It's also a challenge. Um, Because as much as people had been anticipating the last days, as much as people had been looking for and and waiting for all the signs that the last days were coming, there was still something to be done once they arrived. Um, It would be amazing if once you graduated college, you just don't do anything ever, right? You're like, I'm done. I'm done with life. And now I just get to live and do anything I want. That would be fantastic. But 
you don't. You, you hit that point, that thing that you've been working toward your entire life, and now the work begins. And so that's what Peter is saying to the people. The last days are here, and so now the work begins. This is a challenge. Um, I have a quote from N.T. Wright up here from one of his commentaries on the book of Acts. He says about this moment that Peter is understanding the Old Testament as a single great story which was constantly pointing forwards to something that God was going to do through Abraham and his family, something that Moses, Samuel, Isaiah, and the rest were pointing on towards as well. This great something was the restoration of all things, the time when everything would be put right at last. And now, he says, it's happened. It's happened in Jesus, and you can be part of it. That last part is the especially critical moment for this. This isn't just something that God did. Uh, This is something that God wants you to be part of. And so again, going back to the bandwagon thing, this doesn't, make it, this doesn't matter if you were a person who wanted Jesus crucified. This doesn't matter if you were a person who ignored Jesus' message, rejected Jesus' message. The fact is, the last days are here, and it's not too late to jump on board. And so that's why these people are pierced to their heart, as Luke tells us. Because they're realizing this isn't just, uh, oh, Jesus was right, and we were wrong. It's that... Everything we've been looking for and everything that as a people we've been anticipating for generations has come to pass, and now we want to be part of this. And so the way forward that uh, that Peter gives them is to be baptized. Be baptized and start fresh. Uh, Have yourself cleansed and forgiven so that you can receive the Holy Spirit, so that what just happened to us over there inside that house can also happen to you, so that the same Spirit that filled us up can now fill you up. The same Spirit that moved Jesus to preach and teach and heal and do miracles and signs and wonders, that same Spirit can fill you up to do all of those same things. And so be baptized and get on board, because the kingdom of God is here, so what are you going to do about it? Ultimately, that's the question. And that's not just the question at Pentecost. That's been the question ever since. And it's the same question for you and I now. The kingdom of God is here. What are you going to do about it? Are you on board with the movement? Are you on board with the work and with the rhythm of what God is doing? Because God is perpetually expanding his kingdom to include more and more people. Are you working with or against God's expanding current? God is constantly inviting us to shed more and more of ourself and to take on more and more of Christ. Is this something you do daily and with purpose? God invites us into deeper community with those who love Jesus. Is community something for which you've made space in your life? Or do you keep people at a distance, refusing the vulnerability that comes with godly community? God is a God of justice, and he uses his spirit to bring about justice throughout creation. Do you speak up on behalf of those whose voice is drowned out by the powerful? Do you give up your place of privilege so that others might be seen and heard and wanted? God is always working toward the renewal of his creation, including our planet. Are you joining God in care for creation or participating in its destruction? Do you care for the poor? Do you feed the hungry? Do you make space to be a friend to the lonely? Have you made life only about yourself? Or are you living beyond your own nose? Because the kingdom of God is here. What are you going to do about it? Um, 
As a church, through special contributions, we raised $1,031 for Children's Protection Center last month. And that's amazing. That's really fantastic. Um, we were excited to get to share with them that we had raised uh, that amount of money to contribute toward their work. Um, a couple weeks ago, a few of us went over to CPC to have lunch with them and to hear about what they do. And we got this really thorough like tour and explanation of all the work that goes on over there. And it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Um, they work with law enforcement agencies and um, attorneys' offices and um, prosecutors, and, and they work with um, social workers and all kinds of people that are involved in a case of child abuse. And they bring a child in, and the whole room is just, I mean, it's, it's like Kidville. There's toys everywhere, it's bright colors, it's fun. And as they walk through the back door, or through the, the hallway door to go back to one of the rooms, all along the walls are these canvases with different color painted handprints. And every time a child comes in uh, to be uh, treated, they get some paint on their hand and they put a handprint on the wall. And that's so that every kid can come through and see, oh, I'm not the only one. Um, this isn't something that only happened to me. And there's lots of kids that have been treated here, and this is a safe place. And they've got this amazing technology where they sit in this room with a two-way mirror, and so they can pack in a bunch of people who need to be aware of the case, of what's going on, and they've got all kinds of, um, of, of dolls and toys and, and places where they can draw to really get uh, the full story of what happened from the kid's perspective, but so that they only have to do it one time. And they've got a couple of video cameras set up so that it's recorded, so that when the case goes to court, they don't have to bring the kid up to testify in front of the judge and the people. And they say it one time, and then everybody has all the information. And it's just, ah, oh, it's such an incredible thing. And they've got, they told us how many uh, places like this they have around the state. I forget the number now, but it's, it's only a handful. It's not that many. But it just seems like something that's so obvious, right? Something that we so obviously need in the world and so obviously need in our communities. And here are these people doing really amazing things. And so that's the reason that we got on board with not only supporting them financially, but also getting involved with the Dragon Boat Festival that we're going to be doing this weekend. Dragon Boat Festival is going to be, I assume, I've never done it before, I assume it's going to be like nothing we've ever done. Um, I have never been on a dragon boat. So already right there, here's something I've never done. But it's like 20 of us paddling this giant boat with a dragon head on the end. And Michael, Michael's not here this morning, he's going to be our drummer. And we were talking about costumes last night. And I don't know what he's going to go with, but it's going to be kind of crazy. So we're going to have this drummer up front pounding away, and then everybody else is in the boat rowing. And it's going to be a really fun day. And the night before... Uh, there's a big tailgating party and fireworks and uh, just a big kind of celebration for the festival itself. Family friendly, all the kids are welcome to come out and be part of it. Um, and so it's this big celebration. And as, as much fun as that's going to be, what can't get lost in all the fun is the fact that we're doing something that we believe Jesus himself would be doing. Um, we believe Jesus himself would be part of what CPC is doing and, and the work that they do. We believe Jesus himself would be caring for and, and rehabilitating and healing children who have been victimized by abuse. And so this isn't just going out and having a fun day on the lake paddling around. Um, this is getting involved in the kingdom, in what God is up to. Um, you can still sign up. We still need about 10 people to fill up our boat. We, we can go over 20 because we can swap out. I think we're, we're guaranteed like two races, and if we do really well, 
we're going to do really well. If we do really well, I think we race a third time for like the championship. Um, so please don't disappoint me. As you know, I only cheer for winners. So uh, <laughs> let's win this thing. Um, no, uh, so we do still need about 10 people to sign up. You can go to the Crosswalk Facebook page and there are several posts with links to uh, the sign-up page for the Dragon Boat Festival. So sign up and come out and be part of that. Um, we have practice this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Obviously, not everybody can make that. They don't expect everybody to be able to make that. But if you can, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, out at Lake Willistine, and they will teach us how to dragon boat. So be sure and uh, come out to that if you can. But again, this is an easy way to participate in the advancement of the kingdom of God. You're helping people who help children heal from abuse. Um, and, and so be part of that. And not only to be part of this one thing, but to practice a lifestyle of being caught up in the current of what the kingdom's doing. Um, never reject an opportunity to help spread the kingdom. A lot of those opportunities will cost you something. They will cost you more than just going out and having a fun day on the lake. A lot of those opportunities will cost you financially. They will cost you your, your dream and your vision for what you always thought your life would be. They might cost you with your job and your career. They might cost you with your own family. But the kingdom of God spreads as people who are willing to suffer for it uh, trust in the Holy Spirit that spoke at Pentecost and that spoke through Peter that that same Spirit that moved Jesus is also going to move us. Um, stand with me, and I'll pray for us, and we'll uh, have one more song. At Crosswalk, we are a church that's hungry to help the people of Little Rock discover God, love people, and come alive. And so the kingdom of God is here. Let's collectively, as a people, do something about it. Let's pray. Draw us into your current, Father, of, of where you and your kingdom are going and working um, may, we, uh, may we celebrate and have fun and, and get really excited about things like the Dragon Boat Festival this weekend. Uh, but more than that, may we be a people who live lives that are caught up in the flow and the rhythm of what you're doing. So thank you for uh, these stories like we read uh, where Peter gets to just lay out from beginning to end what you've been up to. And we want to be a continuation of that story. And it's through the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.